0: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Society Podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Peep, she just hopped right on the bed. She's ready to go, and she's excited because it's our 100th episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's also the last episode of the year, so it's worked out perfectly for us. Yeah, I know. We that's did great. not plan it that way. Lucky we had a few big breaks over the years, <laughs> so it worked out
1: perfectly yeah. for this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it did. It all came together in the end um the weather here is friggin' horrendous it's just like raining snowing slushing and it's so cold so hopefully it doesn't mess with my internet connection
2: it's actually super cold here too which is weird because it was so nice but I feel like there's some like some Siberian Antarctic blast or something going on around the world which is why it's so cold and disgusting everywhere
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I read something like that. Mm, I'm
2: not very specific, but it's definitely something like that. There's something going on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, is your con- you're going to a concert after this? Hopefully yeah. outside. We're we going
2: to the Killers today in like a winery vineyard type thing. It's been booked for like over a year. And the other, mm-hmm. the other week I looked at the long-term weather forecast and it was like 30 degrees, which is 90 Fahrenheit. I'm like, wow, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it's, de- <laughs> it's definitely not that today. It's not raining though, so that's all right. But as long as it doesn't rain, it should be fine. I'll just have to take a jumper or a cardigan or something. But it's outside, yep, no shelter. They're like, goes ahead, rain, hail or shine, so be prepared. <laughs> And you're smuggling alcohol. Because <laughs> it's at a winery. You can't. And like they used to let you take at least food in. So you could take like a picnic or whatever. <clears throat> but this time they're like, you yeah. cannot. All you can bring in is a picnic blanket. That's it. You can't bring any food, any snacks, any drinks. So, but I just can't drink wine all day. Like it just makes me feel no. so rotten. So I've ziplocked some vodka to hopefully take in.
0: <laughs> I feel like I should be beyond this, but <laughs>
2: it's, for, it's for the best,
0: really. <laughs> you know, saving money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully.
2: They like they, they usually have it reasonably priced there, but then I'm like, well, I don't want to pay for something I don't even want to drink.
0: So, anyway, really, yeah. I feel like whenever, I mean, it's different because it's at the actual winery, but whenever I go to any sort of concert or event or anything like Madison Square Garden or MetLife. The stuff is like shockingly expensive. I bought like a thing of M&Ms and it was like $10. I feel like usually, like I agree, like when we go to like concerts
2: at like a stadium or something, it's like that. But here, like, and because they're now saying you can't take any food in, they literally have to cater for every single food need, like vegan, gluten-free, all that type of stuff. So they're like, we've got 50 food trucks like it's annoying because also I find it these things when you actually get in and get your seat because you sit on the ground it's so hard to get in and out and back when it gets busy just to get food I know I hate leaving anyway I feel like a big winger, but you know it'll be fun <laughs>
0: <laughs> it'll be fun I love the killers at my sister's wedding we were dying because like the song that like slapped the most like everyone was so excited for it was like towards the end of the night so we we're all drunk but it was Mr. Brightside like everyone lost their know, friggin mind I guess
2: surely that's gonna be the last song they'll do maybe oh
0: my god I'm definitely gonna play it at my wedding <laughs> hoping for the same reaction oh well, yeah
2: it should be good I'm excited like like I feel like maybe I've seen the killers before at a festival but I've never seen them
0: as kind of like the headline act. so I'm very excited you will have to let us know how it is yes I um, will oh and you're also supposed to update us on um was it Luella's talent show?
2: Oh, yes. She came first. <laughs> Out oh, of the so it's divided up. So their school is kindergarten to grade six. That's here is where I live. It's called primary school is kindergarten to grade six. So they divided it up into kindergarten. Year one and year two were kind of one- entry like one section and then years three to Mm -hmm. six with the other section so she's in year three and she came first out of that section (laughs) wow it was so cute and like that they because of the I think I mentioned that the parents don't see it and they don't put it up but one of the teachers actually videoed it for me and sent it to me oh (laughs) oh, and it was the cutest thing like the little boy was singing the song oh it was so so cute anyway she was so excited like the
0: lift or whatever yeah the lift lift and I
2: think she did like I don't even know what the moves are called some gymnastics moves like front (laughs) hand springs or whatever <laughs> Sorry, she yeah, she came first. She was very very pumped.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was Happy nice. A
2: nice end to the year.
0: <laughs> All right. Mm. Well, we said we weren't going to chat too much cuz <laughs> at the end of this episode we decided for the 100th episode to do like an ask me anything type thing. So we got some questions from you guys on Instagram, crime related, not crime related, so we're going to answer them after we go through the couple cases we're going to go through in this episode. So that'll be after that for the people who don't care about us they don't have to hear it <laughs> but <laughs> I'm surprised that we actually had a lot of questions like I'm like does anyone really care but <laughs> it seems like a lot of people care <laughs> I know there was a lot of good questions it kind of all started because um I have to look up her name because she said to give her a shout out. oh yeah, yeah I've got it
2: here I saved, I here yeah, I saved it so I wouldn't lose it um uh Shelly I won't say a full name, but Shelly said, I'd like a shout out on the next episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I'll start with her post kind of on Facebook asking how we met, and then we're all just <laughs> chatting, and we're like, oh, that'd be fun to do for the 100th episode. Yeah, so thank you, Shelly. Here, here's your shout out. <laughs> hope you love it so much. <laughs> this is a good test to see if she actually listens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> and if we don't hear from you, we're going to assume <laughs> you didn't listen. Anyways, so we're going to talk about, I guess, three cases technically today. Yeah. Two... Well, I guess they're all kind of similar. They're all kids that... Yeah, true, actually. Kids that... Two are more similar, like stranger abductions. Then we're going to talk about the boy in the box update, which is similar. But we're going to talk about Athena Strand, which just happened and is all coming out now. That's the one with the FedEx driver. And then we're going to go over um, the Michael Vaughn updates. We've been waiting because there's been some updates coming out. We did an episode about him a while ago. So if you don't know the whole story, we'll give you like a quick refresh. But if you want to listen to that episode, we'll... We'll link it somewhere or something. So. Yeah,
2: like I feel like in the past this is a little bit different to kind of the mid-year and end-of-year episodes that we've done because in the past when we didn't have a whole lot of episodes, we used to kind of run through and update every single one. But now we have too many to do that. We'd be here all day. And also I feel like we update everyone anyway kind of on the smaller updates on our social media. So we figured if we just do these two big updates today of the Boy in the Box and the Michael Vaughan case um, because they are kind of current and – big uptights.
0: yeah so that's what we're going to do we are going to start with athena
1: disturbing new details just released in the death of seven-year-old athena strand this is video of where police found her body last friday in wise county it is a wooded area near water and according to court documents athena was found in that water. Investigators say suspect Tanner Horner hit Athena with the FedEx truck he was contracted to drive. The affidavit says he told detectives she wasn't seriously hurt and was alive when he put her in the van last Wednesday. It goes on to say he told detectives He strangled little Athena because she was going to tell her father about being hit by the FedEx truck he was operating. We are still waiting on the autopsy report from the Tarrant County medical examiner to determine the manner in which she died. This morning, Athena's mother spoke about her devastating loss.
0: I was robbed of watching her grow up by a man that everyone was supposed to be able to trust. To do just one simple task. Deliver a Christmas present and leave.
1: She said this was the package Horner delivered to the residents when Athena disappeared last Wednesday. It was Athena's Christmas present, a Barbie set. Tanner Horner now sits in the Wise County Jail on a $1.5 million bond. The sheriff plans to recommend the district attorney seek the death penalty. FedEx says they continue to cooperate fully with investigating authorities. Stranger abductions of a child are actually very rare. Like I feel
2: like people think maybe they happen more than they do, but it's just because we hear more about the ones that actually happen. When it yeah, it's cuz it's so crazy. Yeah, like unbelievable and you know, police really have no leads in most of the cases and have to ask for information so they're all public. But when it comes to all cases of children reported missing, less than 1% of those are taken by someone who they don't know. So when seven-year-old Athena Strand went missing on Friday, December 2 this year, so literally just a few days ago in Paradise, Texas, many people started looking first towards her father and her stepmother. There were lots of online rumors and comments about the state of the house apparently that Athena was living in. Someone made a post and said that basically she'd been living in a shed and somehow got photos of like... Um, a pile of trash in the yard like it didn't look like the nicest place to live so I think people were very soon on kind of looking within the family Mm -hmm. Um, and some reporters also said that Athena had been known to run away fairly frequently after fighting with her stepmother so it kind of indicated that there was this volatile relationship at home like seven-year-olds probably don't run away frequently generally um, but it seemed like this had happened before in Athena's house. So what we do know is that Athena did argue with her stepmother on that Friday. The confirmed timeline is that she got off the bus from school at around 4.15 p.m. That's when she apparently had a fight with the stepmother and she walked away. The family live in Paradise in Texas and it's a rural area. It's a very small town. They've got 475 people in the town um, and it's in southwestern Wise County. So, I believe that the family did live on an acreage property that had been in Athena's father's family for years. I've read that he grew up there. Like it's, you know, they've lived there forever. They're very familiar with it. So, around the time that Athena disappeared, a FedEx truck did make a delivery at the family home. That was kind of part of the timeline. Athena's stepmother said that she looked for Athena for around an hour and called 911 at around 6.40 p.m. when she was nowhere to be found. She told police that she went to Athena's room at 5.30 p.m. and started searching for her then. I've seen a few varying reports. Another report I've read said that it was 4.45, so it doesn't really make a lot of difference. Essentially, it was like an hour, an hour and a half time period before she called the police. Athena's biological mother, Maitland, has been very vocal in the media. And at the time, she said that Athena was scared of the dark and would have been back before the nighttime. Police arrived at the home within 14 minutes of the 911 call and they searched the area until 4:30 a.m the next day. So I'm assuming they got to the house let's say around 7 pm ish, so they searched non-stop till 4:30 a.m. Police held a press conference fairly quickly and we learned that the FBI got involved straight away. and we also learned that Athena's father had not been home at the time that she disappeared. Police restarted the search at 7am on Saturday, December 3, so they just had a few hours break and restarted it. I believe it was very cold as well, so I guess time was kind of of the essence to find her if she had wandered off. Hundreds of volunteers from the community joined federal, state, and local law officers, and they walked shoulder to shoulder through the brush. Uh, Searchers used helicopters with thermal imaging cameras, drones, horses, dogs, and ATVs. So at around 2pm on the Saturday, an Amber Alert was issued by the Texas Department of Public Safety. They said, that doesn't mean there was an abduction, but it gets the information out to the citizens. Um, There was a lot of questions that we had about why an Amber Alert was actually issued, because usually there needs to be evidence of an abductor and a car. Like They don't usually, um, I feel, issue them for cases like this. The cases um, for a criteria for an Amber Alert in Texas are the missing child must be 17 years or younger. The law enforcement agency believes the missing child has been abducted. This means the child was either unwillingly taken from their environment without permission by the parent or legal guardian or was taken by the child's parent or legal guardian. Um, The law enforcement agency believes the child is in danger of serious bodily harm or death law enforcement agency has conducted an investigation that has verified an 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 abduction has taken place or has ruled out alternative explanations. And then the last one is sufficient information is available to distribute to the public that could assist in locating the abducted child suspect or the vehicle. So I feel like her case doesn't meet all of those, but I guess they were just so worried that there was absolutely no trace of her that they decided to issue one anyway.
0: Yeah. Like in hindsight, it, would meet those at the time. They didn't know a car or the abductor, which I feel like is usually what they at least need. Yeah.
2: So at around 2 p.m. on December 3rd, which is still the Saturday, police said that the search for Athena would become an investigation with a search. They said, hopefully we can find Athena and bring her home alive and well, but it's all about the possibilities and we have to look at everything, Sheriff Aiken said. So this kind of started people gossiping and talking, that maybe someone had confessed, maybe they knew that Athena wasn't going to be found alive, um, that basically people started speculating that police had more information that they hadn't made public. Um, they also said that they had used helicopters with thermal imaging and they had detected no presence of a child. So I think they were fairly confident that Athena wasn't alive and lost in the area. Mm. Um, just a few hours later at 7 p.m., police officers cleared a scene less than 10 miles from her home and then Sheriff Aiken said that her body was found a few miles from that site along the Trinity River, which I believe had already been searched. Reporters started very quickly releasing information about the FedEx driver possibly being involved. There's a reporter called Steve Noviello, and he said, break in, we are working to confirm reports that seven-year-old Athena Strand was hit by a FedEx driver who panicked and dumped the little girl's body in the wood. At around 10 p.m. that night, police held another press conference to kind of confirm that Athena's body had been found. And they said that the FedEx driver was 31-year-old Tanner Lynn Horner, and he had been charged with capital murder and aggravated kidnapping. They also confirmed right then that Athena had been killed within an hour of her abduction, and police said that it was a random crime of opportunity. So once Tanner's identity was confirmed, there was lots of people who started commenting online about his alleged past. One lady, she's got still public Facebook posts. She said, Tannalina Horner, the man who raped me at 16 eight years ago, murdered Athena Strand, a seven-year-old girl. I hope the family gets the justice they deserve. I hope he rots and I hope that everyone who didn't believe me when I've talked about this for eight years does all of now. And then she says, fuck all of you. So I'm assuming like there's even a post of hers from 2019 and she wrote, friendly reminder that Tanna Horner is a rapist. So this was has mm. all been out there. Um, this guy seems to have been known as a bit of a deadbeat loser. Dirt yeah, dirt bag. So on December eight, Maitland, who's Athena's mother spoke to the media, she said that Tanner, who was the delivery driver, had actually been delivering delivering a Christmas present to Athena at the time when he abducted her, and the present was Barbie dolls.
1: Mm, that
0: made me so sad. I know.
2: She basically goes on and kind of explains what happened and she said that the Barbie doll was a you-can-be-anything Barbie doll and her mother said, in this present order out of innocence and love, my innocent free-spirited seven-year-old daughter was murdered. I was supposed to bring Athena after Christmas break. Instead, she'll be cremated and come home in an urn because I'm not ready to let my baby go. So FedEx did issue a statement at the time. They said, words cannot describe our shock and so reports surrounding this tragic event. First and foremost, our thoughts are with the family during this most difficult time and we continue to cooperate fully with the investigating authorities. At this time, any further questions should be directed to law enforcement. I feel like all the FedEx statements have been very generic and very, like obviously I understand why they're a corporate and there's going to be legal action about this, but um, very generic statements. Yeah. So as people have asked about the motive in this case, Tanner apparently told police that he accidentally hit Athena with his FedEx truck. He told them that she wasn't seriously injured and that she was still talking and breathing. He said he panicked and put her in the truck, but then he strangled her because he was worried that she would tell someone about hitting her him hitting her with the truck. I have doubts that this is what actually happened. Um, maybe he did Sam like I would I her autopsy report, hasn't been released yet i feel like it would be easy enough for them to verify that she was hit by a truck i'm sure she'd have maybe some even if it was a very minor accident surely there'd be a bruise or you know something like that but i feel like the motive surely had to be much more sinister than what it was
0: i feel like the trucks must have like some sort of yes. monitoring activity i don't know if they could tell or i'm sure it has like
2: dash cam footage so surely if you he hit yeah. her like i'm sure there would be a ton of footage on there
0: yeah it reminds me of um the the brian laundry excuse of like well i didn't know what to do so i just strangled her to death and i
2: like i'm not actually doubting that he maybe did hit her with the car but my thinking it was probably on purpose to incapacitate her maybe and to be like hey i'll help
0: you i'll help you like yeah to like lure her in the car
2: and they haven't said if there was any evidence of sexual assault or anything like that yet i unfortunately wouldn't be surprised if there was um yeah
0: like they haven't said yet either way yeah, it's just that's not a normal way to think. Like if you hit a kid and especially she was mostly fine for the most part, he said and he was just worried about getting in trouble. Mm. So so now you're going to murder her and dump and get yeah. in trouble for murder? Dump her body out in the open where it's found that same day almost. When really you probably could have just gotten in not that much trouble, maybe gotten fired if it turned into a thing. Yeah. But, but now you're going to go to jail. Forever, yeah.
2: So Athena's mother has since posted a photo of her casket online. I believe her casket was made by the same people who made the caskets for the victims of the Uvalde shooting. It's pink. It's kind of grey fur lined. It's beautiful, like as beautiful as a child's casket can be really. Um, And they have also released her obituary online. I'll put it up on the blog, but it just talks a little bit about her. It says, a first grader at Paradise Elementary School, Athena had an ever-present smile which brought joy and happiness to everyone she encountered. She made friends as easily as a butterfly can flap its wings and she would light up any room she walked into. Athena had many hobbies and interests, including horseback riding, doing makeup, being a princess, and loving life. She also enjoyed spending time with her family and playing with her sisters as often as possible. So there hasn't been a whole lot of information in this case. What we do know is that the latest information is that um, Wise County Sheriff is recommending that prosecutors seek the death penalty for Tanner. And on December 14, Athena's family filed a lawsuit. They are now suing FedEx and one of its subcontractors. So Tanner delivered the packages for FedEx Ground but was employed through a subcontractor called Big Top Top Spin Inc. And the lawsuit was filed by Athena's father Jacob and accuses FedEx and big topspin of gross negligence. The suit also accuses Tana of assault and the family are seeking more than $1 million in damages. So the lawsuit alleges that FedEx has continued their normal business operations although it is clear that their current efforts if any to ensure that they are not putting dangerous persons in a position of trust wearing FedEx uniforms driving FedEx branded vehicles and sending them to the doorsteps of homes of nearly every person in America is woefully inadequate to avoid endangering the public. The lawsuit alleges that FedEx and Big Topspin are accused of negligently hiring Tanner, failing to properly supervise him, and failing to enforce adequate safety policies. So FedEx released another generic statement and it said, our thoughts remain with the family of Athena Strand in the wake of this tragedy. We are aware of the complaint filed against FedEx Ground. So that was just like I feel like that's kind of an interesting case because what seemed to be the likely outcome based on what everyone was thinking, was absolutely not what happened. She was abducted by a stranger. I don't know if he'd been to the house before in terms of an absolute stranger. Maybe she had seen him before, but in, t- in saying that, it was no one you know, who she really knew. It was no one in her family. It was a real crime
0: of opportunity. I'd just like to know if he really hit her with the truck or not. Or I, it's like, will we ever know? Because unless he did end up sexually assaulting her or anything else where there was another motive, then I feel like you definitely know that he just took the opportunity of her being like out in her front yard or whatever. Yeah. But I just don't believe that he hit her and then was like, well, I got to kill her now.
2: I don't know if they will release the autopsy before this all goes to trial or whatever, um, before the legal process starts, but they haven't as of the 16th of December, which is now, you know, two weeks basically since it happened so crazy. Just like – it's such a sad story too that he was bringing the Barbies. Mm. And it's just, it's just like – it's one of those things that just reiterates how quickly these things can actually happen. Like literally I'm sure this all probably happened in the period of a few minutes. You know, mm-hmm. not maybe not planned. Um, just, you yeah, it just takes one creep to take advantage of a child and then that's it.
0: Yeah. And it's just like she was arguing with the stepmoms. So she was just mad in the yard and <sighs> – Very, very sad. I can't even imagine just – yeah how horrible it's always hard with cases with minors and stuff because they don't release a ton of info until they have to yeah and I feel like this also because this case happened so quickly
2: um there was not much chance to release info like for example if we I know it's not really comparable but kind of to the Moscow murders where every day there's something new coming out about you know possible suspects and about the victims whereas this it was literally a 24 hour period of time and no one knew who the suspect was until it was announced that he was arrested. So, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit more closed-lipped. He did Tana did have a wife and a son, I believe. People were talking about if she knew about the rape allegations as in her being the wife. But either way, he had a son which is very very sad
0: for the child. Yeah. And is his Instagram still up? Do you know? Um, I'll have a look. Because I was looking at it and he's just like such a dirtbag loser vibes. Yeah, it is. A lot of selfies. Yeah. He's, yeah,
2: he's got, he had a few Instagrams, I think. Yeah. One is up still. He was like very into music, apparently. It says, Tanner Horner, vocalist of Commit and Conquer, autistic as Ligma. He has a bunch of Instagrams. There's another one, Tanner. Uh, yeah. So they're all out there.
0: Um. Autistic as Ligma, like. Ligma balls or whatever it is that
2: people say. <laughs> I have
0: no idea. <laughs> that sounds like it might be right. I have no
2: idea though.
0: <laughs> it's like a joke people say. I swear. Is
2: it? Yeah, I've looked it up. It says <laughs> ligma is a made-up disease. Oh, I don't know. Actually, maybe that's not true.
0: No, it because people be like, oh, I have ligma, and then they'd be like, what's ligma? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you right. Like ligma
2: balls. <laughs> it says ligma is a fictional disease designed to sound similar to lick my balls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Oh my god.
2: Anyway, so yeah classy guy and like on his instagram that's that one it's cnc underscore twitch there's heaps of photos of the baby um just yeah and like he's got one up there it's a meme thing it says that one fine ex who just keeps getting finer and finer that's me i'm the ex (laughs) please
0: he's a real loser yeah loser for sure okay so next we'll get into the michael vaughn updates so we first covered michael's story in january 2022 so pretty much like almost a year ago almost um michael disappeared from his home in fruitland idaho when he was five years old on july 27 2021 michael was home with his father and sister while his mother was at work and his father allegedly left michael unattended for like 15 20 minutes while he changed a diaper and ordered some food when he returned to the room where michael had been playing video games he was nowhere to be found so there's been a lot of speculation placed on Michael's parents and there are also reports of a stranger seen at um, a little splash pad in the area at the time so there's been lots of searches lots of theories but pretty much everything has come up empty um and it was said that Michael did like to kind of just go out and like go around to the neighbor's houses and see if anyone wanted to play or if anyone was around so it's kind of speculated that he snuck out to go see if anyone was outside to play with
3: WE HAVE NOT STOPPED EVERY DAY WE HAVE UNFINISHED BUSINESS AND I'LL TELL YOU THAT EVERY DAY IS AN ANNIVERSARY OF THE DISAPPEARANCE FROM MICHAEL VAUGHN. IT'S BEEN 365 DAYS. A YEAR OF SEARCHING WITH NO ANSWERS. FOR THE FIVE-YEAR-OLD FRUITLAND BOY WHOSE 2021 DISAPPEARANCE GARNERED NATIONWIDE ATTENTION AND SUPPORT. Hi. Ah. Last July, Michael Vaughn was at home with his dad and baby sister while mom was at work. Family says he walked out searching for neighborhood kids to play with. He went to a neighbor's house, he went to another neighbor's house, and another neighbor's house. Last winter, Michael's mom, Brandy, invited our News Nation team to their Idaho home, walking us through her son's last moments there. He would have come out of the garage. Um, The front door is pretty hard to get out of and you can hear that opening. At the time his dad Tyler declined to speak with us but this week that changed. The couple sitting together for their first national TV interview. It doesn't feel like a year. It's been an eternity. Tyler a lot of people curious why if you were the one at home why you haven't done a lot of talking with the media. What's your response to people who want to know that question? Because I was the one at home. I feel like because I was the responsible party. I, I don't like being in the public eye at all. And it's because I, you know to some extent blame myself for most of the afternoon tyler says michael played with his monster trucks and nintendo switch and that around dinner time he ordered a pizza and went down the hall to change the baby's diaper when he came back out michael wasn't there
0: there's really pretty much been no updates until recently um, so, around November 11, 2022, there's finally an unexpected update, and police announced they were searching a property in on Red Wing Street in Fruitland in regard to Michael's case. And the property is only a two minute drive from their home. So, the occupants of the home were Stacy and Sarah Wondra. And Stacy is a male, just to clarify. Yeah, because a few people were confused about that online, I think. But yeah, Stacy is a male. Yeah, commonly a female name, yeah. but this is a male. And they were a married couple. So Stacy and Sarah seem to be very religious, and they're both very active on social media. Stacy even made posts in August 2021 about Michael being missing.
2: Yeah, so he changed his he updated his profile photo to a photo of Michael um, on. I think around 1st of August, 2021, someone commented, is that you? And he wrote, no, this is a child that went missing in our neighborhood and has been gone for five days and no one can find him. He's only five years old. And I believe she also changed her profile photo or posted about him and uh, posted about Michael at some point as
0: well. And pretty sure there was a picture of them in the background. There was a picture of him on their fridge. Yes. Yeah. That she,
2: she is big on TikTok or was big on TikTok. And there was one where she was talking and then, yeah, on the fridge, there's like a missing person flyer type thing for Michael.
0: So sketchy. So police ended up tearing apart their backyard um, looking for Michael or any evidence. And Stacy was taken into custody on unrelated charges earlier in 2022. So he was actually already in jail at this point yeah. when this all happened. On November 12th, 2022, Sarah was charged with failing to report Michael's death. So at her arraignment, she was asked if she understood the charges against her. She said, I understand what they've said. It's not correct. And she is now being held on a $500,000 bond. Do we know what he was in jail for? I tried I to remember. look it up. I
2: feel like it's um like we firearm. I don't know. Who it I, I, like it's so weird because everywhere is just vague and it says
0: unrelated charges. Um, Everyone needs to just have like open criminal
3: records. It says
2: that he's in jail on unrelated weapons charges. Oh, there's another one here. Yeah, so oh that was 2019. He pleaded guilty to false statement during a firearms transaction. So I feel like there's And there was another one, he was arrested for unlawful possession of a weapon by a convicted felon. So it's things along those lines. It doesn't seem to be directly associated with Michael's case. Maybe it could be indirectly in there. I wonder
0: what he was a felon for because wouldn't that mean he's a convicted felon?
2: Yeah, I don't know. He, I feel like he does have a pretty extensive criminal history, but it was for nothing in terms of. I feel like there was trial, Yeah, it was in terms like there was some fraud type charges and just like petty yeah, stuff. Yeah, like petty. Like if you Google his name, like it's there's an indictment. It's been sealed. Like there's stuff online, but it's nothing. From what I've read, there's nothing related to or that could be similar to this case, for example.
0: Yeah, so just another dirt bag, basically. So the state originally asked for a million dollar bond arguing that Sarah is a danger to the public and was already on pretrial release for a felony charge related to illegally possessing a firearm as a felon. So again, prosecutors argued she's a danger to the community and she fails to abide by the social norms we all expect. And there are obviously very serious implications in her being aware of his whereabouts this whole time. So in a Random twists. the Wondras, they live next door to a married couple who are actually both sex offenders. So police use ground penetrating radar to search the neighboring properties, but they didn't find anything related to Michael's case. When they first announced
2: they were searching Red Wing, people were trying to actually kind of ascertain the address. And I believe some reporters incorrectly gave the address as the address of the sex offenders, which you would think, yep, that seems probably likely that they may have been involved in a child murder like you know if someone's going mm-hmm. to be a suspect you would think maybe it's these sex offenders who I believe and I believe their sex offenses were for minor like under the age of 16 or something like that so um but it turns out that maybe it's just actually unrelated unless it ends up that everyone kind of knew about this unless it's but, not. <laughs> yeah, but
0: at this stage it seems unrelated yeah when police held a press conference about the updates they also asked for information on two men who they believed might have information about michael's death it was a little confusing but their names are brandon shortleth who is 30 years old of kuna idaho and and adrian lucian 32 of toledo ohio and police have since made contact with the men but haven't provided any updates since this happened. I guess they were living at the yeah. home.
2: I've read that they were the probably time. living at the home and police believe they may have
0: information, knowledge of
2: what happened to Michael. Like these men are also dirtbags. Like one of them <laughs> did an interview with some, some YouTube person in a hot tub like – um Yeah, so, yeah, police have found them and have interviewed with them. I think one lives in a non-extraditable state or something like that. Anyway, but nothing has happened since they've interviewed these men. They have still
0: haven't found Michael and there have been no arrests of either of these men, so, yeah. Um, So police have said that the new searches were conducted based on a credible tip by someone who had been living in the house and they still believe it to be credible. From what we've read, they seem to believe Michael was buried in the backyard and that his remains have since been moved. Sarah's mental health has been questioned and she has undergone competency exams. And so this info is from the affidavit. So this is an article about the affidavit.
2: It says, when I got to the portion that read murder, she said, did you just say murder multiple times? And that's this is this is kind of recounted by a Fruitland police officer. Mm-hmm. She, and then it says, she also said, I never murdered anyone. Officials said Wondra said that she definitely did not kill that boy and that the most high God already told me who did it. She also told police, oh, wow, wow, the most high God just told me that Stacy was the one who killed him and buried him in the yard of the neighbor's house. When asked later to show police where the boy was buried, she told police of a spot near the entry of her residence and said that Stacy had buried him in the backyard by the shed. Police said that by that point, they had begun handing digging a portion of the yard based on information received from Stacy, who had not been arrested or charged by mon- Monday afternoon. It wasn't clear when or why police had spoken with Stacy. Sarah Wondra was arrested and told police, God just told me that Stacy was the one who did it, adding that she knew the body was in the neighbor's yard because that's what Stacy just told me. Um, and then she also told police that she had nothing to do with Michael's disappearance and that Stacy was the one who had buried Michael in the backyard by the shed, but wasn't the one who had actually harmed the boy. She to- told police instead that a man named Adrian, who's one of the men we mentioned earlier, had been the one who had done it and he was scared to tell anybody.
0: So it seems like a lot of finger pointing.
2: Yeah, and there's just as quickly one little thing about her mental health as well. All her social media, I believe, is still up. Like her TikToks are up and all she does basically is rant religiously. She has religious rants. Um, This is one post I snipped just because it was kind of interesting. It says, the dead have been raised incorruptible. I have seen it with my own eyes that God recently gave me new eyes to see into the heavenly things. He's coming soon. Dry bones have come alive and it was so beautiful. They were so beautiful wrapped up in his majesty, walking in the air up to heaven, shining so bright as I've never seen anyone shine. God did it. And it goes on and on. So these are the kind of posts that she was making online she was clearly not well um very
0: religious ideation type stuff not just like normal religious stuff so on november 23rd sarah was found unfit to continue with court proceedings and has been committed to the idaho department of health and welfare Officials will work to restore Sarah's mental competency before her next status conference, now set for December 23rd. Um, Should either party bring forward information related to her competency before then, Judge Brian Lee could move up the status conference to an earlier date. That's kind of the latest in the case. Still a lot of questions.
2: Like I'm just looking now, the last articles were a week and two weeks ago. There haven't really been – um, you know, any information. I do find it interesting that the kind of news to date has focused on Sarah and not on Stacey. Um, I guess it's mm-hmm. because Stacey's already in jail and this was, all this has kind of happened to keep Sarah in jail. Um, but I, I would love to know more about who they got this credible tip from and why they still believe it's credible. Um,
0: just And I, I wonder know. why, I mean, I don't think it's, crazy to assume that Michael is dead at this point but I feel like they must know he's dead or have something to think he's dead to charge her with specifically not reporting a death
2: yeah I I just like I just feel like this is such an well it is unexpected as in what we what now we know actually probably happened to Michael and who was likely involved like we always said it could have been a stranger abduction but just that kind of level of you know what happened to him with these at least four people likely involved it's just horrific he must have you know i just don't even really want to think about what happened to him at the hands of these people
0: yeah it just seems like there's still so many questions and who actually did what and who's actually involved and who isn't because at this point there's three men involved alleged, allegedly i guess and then sarah yeah, and the then the two must, guys who live there, and then the husband. I'm assuming
2: that the credible tip probably came from an additional party who we don't know. Like it does seem like Stacy was talking, and he told them where, like according to that affidavit, where Michael was buried at one point and things like that. But I feel like it seems like there's an additional person, so there must have been a whole bunch of people who maybe knew what happened and just and didn't
0: say. They- that the person who gave the credible tip used to live in the house,
2: Yeah, and, like, that's why I thought, like, my thinking was maybe it is Stacy, but I feel like there have been – it could be, but I also feel like it's probably someone additional.
0: Mm, it seems yeah. like it just, like – I wonder if, they did, like, drugs, if it was, like, a drug type thing. Like, why are so many people living in this house that wasn't that big? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I could say about these people, but – but, yeah
2: but, yeah it seems like and I know like for instance Sarah and Stacy apparently had like a um, taxi business but it was like a faith taxi um,
0: there's
2: a lot of very strange things going on
0: yeah but um, we'll post links to like some of the social media and everything on the blog it is interesting to look at and kind of get a better idea for what was going on I guess
2: And I feel like, too, there's been a lot of speculation about why Stacey and Sarah may have done this or why Stacey did this, you know, whatever whatever ends up happening. I've read some comments online that say that they couldn't have children. And this is one of Mm -hmm. the most random things I've ever heard, that they couldn't have children because Stacey's genitals had been trampled by a bull. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is what I mean, like, this case, I'm just like, what is going on? There's you know like i th- i feel like that was kind of insinuating that they took michael because they couldn't have a child of their own and he somehow accidentally died um you know that was one of the kind of theories that i've heard but as of this stage we just don't know what happened
0: yeah i'm anxious to find out um I, I guess relieved is the right word that there's some movement because like It got to the point where people were really harassing the mom and the parents and accusing them, since nothing had happened. Like, I know that there people were going like hard on the mom online for some reason.
2: Yeah, and I also feel like police really, really feel like this was a credible tip. They seem to do a really super thorough search. Like, they literally tore up the entire backyard. Um, They spent days and days there you know investigated the neighbor's backyard so I feel like they wouldn't have done that if it was just oh maybe so I feel like they do still feel that this is the right direction for
0: them to go in yeah they definitely know more and they did say that the cadaver dogs did like hit but they didn't find anything yeah all right well that's that one for now
2: so the last update for the year is another big one it's about the boy in the box um We covered his case. Basically, it was one of the coldest ones that we've ever covered. It was about a boy who died in 1957. He was believed at the time to have been between four and six years old and was found wrapped in a blanket in a cardboard box in Philadelphia on February 25th, 1957. So in the episode, we kind of spoke about theories about why this child had been abandoned, why no one had ever come forward to claim him. Um, And a lot of that is still not 100% known. But what on December 8th this year, the boy got his name back and we found out that he was four years old when he died and his name was Joseph Augustus Zarelli. Um, police Captain Jason Smith said that the boy had lived in west Philadelphia near Market and 61st Streets and he also said it's going to be an uphill battle for us to definitively determine what caused this child's death. He said if this technology had been available to us 20 years ago, it might have been a completely different story. Because once you identify who the child is, you start interviewing family members. At this point of time, a lot of the family members who would have been old enough to have that memory are long gone. So we learned that Joseph was born on January 13, 1953. Captain Smith said that he does have a number of siblings who are living, but out of respect for them, their parents' information will remain confidential. The media asked Captain Smith who was responsible for Joseph's death and he said, do we know who is responsible? The answer at this time is unfortunately no. We have our suspicions as to who may be responsible but it would be irresponsible for me to share those suspicions as this remains an active and ongoing criminal investigation. He also said that now that the child's identity has been released, they expect more tips to come in. And he said something like, I'm hopeful that there's somebody who is in their mid to late seventies, perhaps eighties, who remembers the child. The child did live here until a little past four years old, four years of age. So there would have been someone out there who would have seen this child, perhaps another family member that hasn't stepped forward, perhaps a neighbor, perhaps someone that remembers seeing the child at that particular household. There has been a lot of speculation online about the boy's family. As the police haven't named them, we won't name them either. Obviously, they are the Zarelli family. Like, I feel like that's a starting point if you want to look <laughs> into it. Um, it's all over Reddit. Um, I do believe from what I've read that the boy's parents are both deceased. I have read some speculation that the boy was given up by his birth parents and placed into this family. Um, people have done extensive research on the family tree if you want to go and read it, and um, it is all out there but police haven't confirmed much about his family publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, I did find this interesting article and I think it kind of explains a little bit about how this development was made. I'll just read out parts from it and I'll put the rest on the blog Um, It's about a man called Justin Thomas. He said that in 2017, he was doing holiday shopping on Amazon when he saw the deal of the day was an Ancestry DNA kit. He said he bought it for his girlfriend and they broke up soon after, so he decided to use it himself. He found out some information about his family background, but he didn't think too much of it until last year while he was at work. He got a random phone call from a woman who identified herself as Mr. Gillis who's a forensic genealogist and cold case liaison with as International. She said that he was a match to a cold case in Philadelphia, but she needed more DNA to crack the case. Thomas called his mother, who agreed to provide a sample, and basically that he didn't hear anything else until this week when the announcement about the boy in the box was made, and that his sister texted him to say the Philadelphia police had just released the name of the boy in the box as Joseph Augustus Zarelli. Thomas' sister wrote, I feel sick, and he said, I saw Zarelli and my mouth kind of hit the floor. He believes that the boy is likely a first cousin to his mother. The last name of his mum's uncle is Zarelli. His His grandmother's brother is a Zarelli. The Zarelli's lived in West Philadelphia, which is what the police have also said. And then he just goes on and talks about how, you know, this has kind of affected him. And he said, it strikes home. It's horrible. I can't imagine, which it is. It's a horrible story. And the child had a horrible end. Mm -hmm. So it seems like this is another case where kind of a chance, kind of recreational DNA use has, you know, cracked the case in the end.
0: Yeah. I I didn't read some. Sorry, you go. No, I just think I wonder where they even start with now trying to like solve it. (laughs) Yeah, I
2: feel like it's probably too late. The people who probably did this to the boy are probably dead. Um, Yeah, you know, I guess maybe they can still try and figure out exactly what happened. Um, And I'm assuming, yeah, like if they've been dead for a while, you know, their bodies, it'd be it'd be hard to get any evidence. I would assume from these people.
0: It's interesting that they said they had their suspicions. Mm.
2: And the other question we've had a lot about is why did this come out now? I have read some comments online that say the police have actually known the identity of the boy for over a year, but they were keeping it quiet to try and, I guess, progress the investigation. And then someone from one of these identifiers or one of the other kind of forensic DNA genealogical companies leaked it after there was a dispute or which is why police when it leaked and then they said next week we're going to give an update so his name wasn't leaked at first police did have a week I guess to kind of get their ducks in a row and make an official announcement about who the boy was so there is an answer still a lot of unanswered questions though um I guess it's, you know, one benefit, at least he can have a proper burial now. And I know someone's already put a plaque at his gravesite, which I think was just before like America's unknown child or something like that. So that's one, you know, benefit is he can be laid to rest and given some of his dignity back at least.
0: Imagine just like finding out that you're connected to this case or crazy old cold case like that. I'd be Totally turning into Nancy Drew and like looking into <laughs> my family's past and like <sighs> going into addicts and stuff and like looking at old papers, being like, who is this? What happened? And imagine just totally out of the blue.
2: Like, you know, I know I feel like sometimes people do it because they have suspicions, like, oh, I knew my uncle knew that this person. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that type mm. of thing. Whereas this seems like it was totally just a random putting his DNA into ancestry and then years later finding out that this is what happened.
0: Yeah, I've done ancestry. I'm I'm still waiting for a call. Yeah, it's
2: crazy. I keep thinking I should do it. I think my gr- my grandmother's done hers, so I figure, um, you know, anything interesting would already have popped up. <laughs> but maybe not. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. So that is that with those cases, right?
2: That's it. Yep. Yeah, there's nothing else yet. We'll keep you updated. Um, I'm assuming more things will happen next year with the Wondra case and also probably with Athena's case. So
0: we'll definitely keep you updated as those happen yeah um okay so now we're gonna do something fun something different (laughs) after 100 episodes we figured it was time for you guys to maybe get to know us a little better (laughs) um people have always kind of asked us questions i mean we're always like oh yeah we'll do something one day but just like never really did and i feel like now too we
2: speak to a lot of people the same people all the time like people will send us Mm -hmm. messages and um articles and things like that so I feel like now we've got a little community going where some people don't like I know am I making sense like I feel like we have a familiar I can't even say the word familiarity with a lot of people so
0: that might be interesting yeah so it's like we're kind of kind of friends but like online so (laughs) 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 okay so we did an Instagram poll question thing and bunch of people sent in questions so i just kind of took i took most of them like there's a lot of duplicates of some so i condensed them and i got these questions so some are crime related some aren't so we'll just we'll just have a go i guess it feels so weird um Okay, so one of the most like prevalent questions that we get a lot, and we have talked about it before, but it was a while ago, was basically, how did we meet? Have we ever met in person? How did True Crime Society start? And like, how did the podcast start? So we met through the Delphi group about Libby and Abby. Um, Olivia had made a group for that case with some of the other current TCS mods admins, and I ended up hearing about that case. I was interested in it and, you know, just in reading about it, I ended up finding the group and I joined it. And this was before I had like a deep fear of being doxxed in the Internet. So I commented a lot <laughs> and talked a lot and I ended up becoming friendly with um, Olivia and Kendall and some of the other admins. And then that group totally went off the fucking rails and they needed mm. some more help modding it. So I weaseled my way in and (laughs) became an admin on that group. And that's how I met them. I feel like that was peak – crime Facebook group time. It was
2: when like I said. It was said, like the it, start. Yeah. And I know when it's still it still does happen. We're just not involved in it in the kind of individual crime groups as much anymore. But that was at a point where like, well, wow, this is a huge case. Let's make a group um to discuss it. So we're like we did that as well. Like we did Michael Shaver, we've had a bunch over the years. Um Crystal Rogers is another one. Like so we did that. And then after a point we're like, Look, why don't we just make one big group where mm. we can have it all rather than having these kind of individual setups. So that is it's our – It's got to be like a lot. Yeah. That is our kind of model now. We just – we do still have some older individual groups, but our main thing is the main Facebook group and the Instagram
0: now. Yeah. And I do think – I really feel like you were like the one to start Facebook crime
1: groups. You're <laughs> like pioneer.
0: Copyrighted it or passionate or something.
2: <laughs> I know. Like, that was like the first we one. Could really. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. I still can't believe it was all those years ago now, like five years or whatever. I know I'm I'm, I'm horrible with timing, but yeah, you know, a long time ago now.
0: Yeah. So from there, we started TCS because it just seemed because you know sometimes there's cases that are small but interesting, but not like big enough to start a whole group for. So that was why we were like, hey, let's just make like a general kind of crime group, and we did that in July 2017, I think. And yep. Still have it going today, even through our struggles with Facebook, Instagram, everything trying to shut us down. <laughs> we are resilient. The podcast started. We'd always like kind of talked about it because, you know, when people suggested it being like, oh, you guys should have a podcast because just the whole like internet social media crime community is crazy in itself. So we always thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Um, so during the pandemic, when we had nothing to do, we were like, yeah, hey, we just give it a go. Like everyone else, the other 50 million people yeah. who started a podcast. But hey, we're still here <laughs> two years later, going along. Not at least three years. <laughs> yeah, really, almost three years. It's crazy. Um, and have we ever met in person? No, but we are hoping to at my wedding yeah. in June. So we'll see. I've got my flights booked. I'm
2: just I, like, I feel like now since COVID I'm much more hesitant to be like, yes, this is absolutely happening. <laughs> but yeah. it's it's looking promising.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we'll keep everyone posted on that, but no, we've never <laughs> met in person or anything, but we do talk like literally every day. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next question that we got and we get semi-frequently is who does the podcast theme song? <laughs> A lot of people like it. I'll have to look it up. I know I have the documents somewhere on this computer but it's literally just a it was like a stock copyrighted song <laughs> that i bought on audio jungle for 30 dollars. it's not like a real song it's just made for things like this
1: i mean I it's a real someone, song i guess but someone
0: messaged just once saying they heard it on an ad like some other random ad for like a
1: furniture was,
2: company or
0: something no that was me i think I was it. Like, yeah, yeah it's, it was for like um Ashley Furniture or whatever yes, and it came on, on TV <laughs> and it, it was playing the song and me and Mike were like oh my god that's my song <laughs> but yeah it's just like a a song that you can buy the rights to use on Audio Jungle but there is a person who made it I remember I've looked at their Instagram before they're not anyone famous or anything they're just a normal person who like makes sells music so um, I'll find that and we'll link it somewhere for anyone who's interested <laughs> The next one is, will you start doing more episodes per week at any point? How long do you plan on doing the podcast?
2: So I, th- I feel like this kind of ties into another question about um, how, can, how, how time consuming is this your real job? Do you have real jobs? Like real jobs? <laughs> yes, yeah. we both have real jobs. Um, I work three days a week and Stephanie works full time on our real jobs, <laughs> you know, our mm-hmm. non-crime jobs. So uh, that kind of limits us at the moment as to how many episodes we can do a week and i feel like we're not quite at the point yet where we could quit our real jobs to do this full time maybe one day like i would love to do more episodes if we can one day at the at
0: this point i don't think we can yet do you agree with that it would definitely be a goal i would love to do more episodes but yeah like you said i just i work a regular full time job so everything is a lot of work um Also, like just the Instagram, the Facebook groups, editing the podcast. We do everything ourselves. We don't have anyone else who does it with us. It is very, very time-consuming.
1: Yeah.
2: So if you're interested in kind of a split, so I do most of the research. Stephanie does the editing, so that's kind of like a 50-50 split. We both do – obviously, we both record. We both do all the socials. um, So it is very time-consuming. Each episode, I would say – takes how long do you think like I don't know well to edit
0: them I'd say it takes me like six hours yeah so
2: I was gonna say I think all up each episode would be at least 10 hours each because of the research then the recording plus the um like additional socials the blog all that type of stuff like I feel like for each of us it would be at least 10 hours per one hour episode of work essentially
0: and that's along with just like posting on Instagram about the Idaho case, looking for other stuff to post, looking for other updates. Um, so yeah, it is very time consuming. We, if we, it wasn't something we were interested in, I would not see myself working this hard. Yeah, but And
2: like I, have I feel, feel like interest. It, it's fair to say that the podcast and our social media have grown a lot, especially over the last probably year or 18 months, they've grown a lot. So it is getting there, but it's not at the point yet where we could just do this full time.
0: But that is the goal. We'd love to do that. We'd love to do more episodes. I'd love to not have to work full time at my job. So yeah, keep listening and sharing it with your friends. If we can grow our audience, it could definitely be a possibility one day. Like we'd love to do it.
2: I feel like too, we're a little bit limited at the moment in terms of the – um, speed that we can release new episodes just because of these full-time jobs like if something happens we're like well this mm-hmm. would be great to record but we physically can't do it because of the time zones and because of our jobs and the you know amount of time it takes t- kind of to turn around an episode so it would be amazing to be able to do that quicker in the future um, if we can
0: yeah so basically we need to quit our jobs <laughs> which means you guys, you guys need to like Help us out and get this podcast
2: <laughs> a bit bigger. And the other question I don't think we answered is how long do you keep plan to keep doing the podcast mm. um, as long as possible? I guess is, yeah. is my answer. Um, you know, I feel like true crime podcasts are a very saturated market, and we have been lucky and we've worked hard to get it to where it is. But I, I guess you know, who knows what will happen in the future? But yeah, as long as possible is my answer for that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the plan is to just keep keep doing it until we can't anymore. <laughs> um, another similar kind of question is how do you keep the Instagram account so up to date? Like how do you find things to post? Um, basically, for me during the day, it is hard because I am at work. So that I have Twitter alerts on for certain reporters that I know are following certain cases. Like I have them on for Brian Enton with the Moscow case, any other ones who I know are posting about it or just like reporters who I know post about crime a lot. So anytime they tweet, I'll get a notification on my phone. Um, we were both also in a lot of like crime Facebook groups. So yeah. it's a good place to find stuff. But basically just being on my phone constantly <laughs> is the answer.
2: We do like these days too, you get a lot of messages from people who share cases They're like, wow, mm-hmm. I found this interesting. You guys might. So we share a lot of it that way as well. But it's generally now just being across a whole different range of news sources, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, we are lucky that you guys probably do like half the work for us, or at least of sending us ideas at I- like 25% of the work maybe because then we have to like go find it and then keep tabs on it. But it is great that people send us stuff to post a lot too.
2: And like I will – like I think I've given her a shout-out before, but there's like we've got people like Lindsay and she has sent Mm -hmm. us so much stuff in Moscow. Like she will send me sometimes 20 things a day, probably even more sometimes. So it's so amazing because we act like there is no way in the world we can see everything. No matter how hard we try, we can't. Mm -hmm. So we really, really appreciate everyone who sends us stuff when they have a chance and when and you know we don't always share 100% of the things we get just literally for time constraints but we do read and try to acknowledge every single thing you guys send us
0: yeah or sometimes I just like lose the message to be honest (laughs) because Instagram has no good way to search anything like I'll open it
2: and then it'll be gone and sometimes like if I really want to remember I actually have to send it to myself so I can find it again but yeah we we do really 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 appreciate it
0: yeah um what's your favorite episode to date?
2: So I am a real big fan I guess if it's correct to say that of the real mysterious episodes Like the one I still think about and I still wonder about it now is Judy Smith which really? I feel like is probably a pretty obscure one that maybe not everyone's listened to but it was about a woman who went on a business trip with her husband and then she never went back to the hotel that night and then her body was found like Thousands, at least hundreds of miles away, maybe thousands of miles away in some random national park that she had no connection to. Um, so I always, I'd like to know more about that. Like we, no one has ever. There's n- never been any updates about, and I think her death was ruled a murder. So, but like, there's, there's just nothing. Like I just find that one so mysterious, and I still wonder about that sometimes. I, like that's that. I don't know if that's correct to say favorite episode, but that's kind of my most interesting episode, I think.
0: Yeah. I wrote down a few because I knew on the spot I wouldn't be able to think of any. (laughs) But one of my favorites is always going to be Chris Benoit. I just am so interested in that story. And I feel like we put in a lot of work to that episode. And I found so many good clips and everything. And it was kind of fun to talk about wrestling and explain some of that stuff. Um, Parkland was a big one for me. That one, I feel like it was such an important episode. And even though it was really hard to listen to all those clips a billion times while I was editing it, it ended up being an episode I was really proud of. The Turpin family was a yeah. good one. Social Scammers, that was was like, fun because it was just kind of something different. Uh Astral World, something different. And I always have a place in my heart for Summer Wells. Um, yeah, I know. Me too. And like, I'm just, I was
2: just scrolling through the list while you were talking, actually. The other (laughs) one too that I really, not always, but I find fascinating is the Honey and Barry Sherman murders.
0: Yes. I was going to add that one to my list (laughs)
2: too. So that's again, a kind of a real, it's probably not when, when we actually eventually find out what happened, it's probably going to be someone close to them, but at the moment
0: it's a real true mystery. Yeah. I feel like we put a lot of research into that one
2: too. I feel like we generally have covered interesting <laughs> cases. I know. <laughs> like I even like looking back one. like uh, memories like Alexis Shark, you remember that one and
0: Oh my yeah. god, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's crazy to look back on it. Um, are you still close with the other TCS admins and mods? Yeah, we talk to them every day. We have a chat with them. Sometimes we're more chatty than other times, so we do all talk every day. <laughs>
2: Yeah. We have um another group too called Death After Dark, which we've like we sometimes post it when like a celebrity dies or something. So basically it's a group about death. Um and I know a few of the admins and mods are still very active in there. It's just it's just a different dynamic these days. Like people have less time since the pandemic. Um, you know, it's just it has changed a little bit, but I feel like we're all still close with everyone.
0: Yeah, I honestly don't do nearly as much on Facebook as I used to, just because I do mainly the Instagram during the day, and that's also just like a lot of work to keep up with, so I, there's no way I could do both full-time.
2: Yeah, and like I know Jeanette, who I've known Jeanette for years and years. She now has, I think, four grandchildren.
3: <laughs> um,
2: you know, everyone has, you know, either kids that are growing up, jobs, like it's just it's just different now. Everyone's busier, and it's a little bit different, but I feel like, yeah, we're still close with everyone.
0: Yeah. Um, Favorite podcasts, like besides ours um so I
2: generally only listen to true crime podcasts um I I yeah that's all I generally do listen to one I've spoken about before One I love is locations unknown it's about it kind of reminds me of our podcast except there's two guys who do it and they are quite casual but they talk about kind of disappearances and things that happen in the wilderness um so I really enjoy that. I always listen to The Vanished, which is a really, really big one that's been around forever. I'm trying to think of what other ones I listen to. They're probably my two main ones that I would recommend at the moment.
0: I'm actually the opposite, and I don't listen to any crime podcasts. I used to, but I'm the t- I, when I listen to crime podcasts now, since we have one, I'm just always like comparing myself to them, and then it kind of becomes just not a relaxing experience because I'm like, oh, that was a great idea that they did. We should do something like that. Or I'm like, we did that episode better. And like they're a billion times bigger than us. And honestly, this will tie into another question too, but I just need like a break from crime sometimes. So I listen to a lot of like celebrity gossip podcasts, just like dating relationship podcasts. Like some of my favorites are Juicy Scoop. Um I love Chicks in the office, You Up. Um I like the new The Girls Next Door podcast, Girls Next Level about um playboy that's a really good one but I listen to just kind of more like light stuff because I need a break from all the crime I feel like I need to branch out a bit maybe (laughs) you just love crime
2: (laughs) yeah so and I know during the year too we have kind of mentioned a few other podcasts that you guys would like true crime record is one that we really like um true crime couple crime salad morning cup of murder morning cup of murder uh mama side okay. is another one murder diaries
0: paranormal chicks yep i'm just trying Groups to make sure you haven't forgotten anyone
2: cuz they they like we are all kind of across these guys we all work together in i guess the true crime realm mm-hmm. so i just don't want to forget anyone but there's some other good ones if you're looking
0: for a new one to try yeah um okay so these will be just a few I tried to group them together. Those were like the podcast type questions. Now these are just like kind of random questions. So one that we get a lot is where we're from, which I feel like we talk about a lot, but that question was asked a few times. Um, I don't want to specifically say where I live just for safety reasons. Not that I think anyone cares enough to come find me, but I live in New York. I live in Hudson Valley in Dutchess County. I'm like an hour and a half away from the city. So that's that's where I am.
2: (laughs) I'm in Australia. So I'm about I'm similar to you in terms of distance from a city. So I'm just north of Sydney, um, yeah, like an hour away from the city. So not far east coast of Australia.
0: Yeah, so that explains our struggle with recording, getting things out sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we're pretty much almost totally opposite days. we have a few hours where we overlap.
2: Yeah, like so when we record it, which is 9 a.m. my time, I think that's like 6 p.m.-ish your time at the moment. So
0: we literally really only do have a few hours where we can cross over. And then daylight savings changes (laughs) it every time. So yeah. Another was just like, what are your favorite things? Pizza toppings, beer, alcohol, food, vacation. So um, I wrote a little list again. I, <laughs> I know that I'm terrible at <laughs> thinking of things off the top of my head. Food, basically, I love anything that is like terrible for you. And I think I would commit a crime for a piece of cheesecake. Like I fucking love cheesecake. I love pepperoni pizza. I like try new beers, new ciders, love fast food favorite vacation spots. I love going to North Carolina. I like going to Vermont, which I just went to. I like to play video games. I'll play Stardew Valley, um, Genshin Impact. I play Pokemon. So if anyone plays any of those games, like we can be friends (laughs) or something. Um, I also just like hanging out with Mike, uh, my fiance. obviously. I like hanging out with my family, my mom, my sister, my dad. I actually like doing things with them and love giving my cats a snuggle and getting some casual drinks at the bar. And that's all about me. That sounds very fulfilling. <laughs> very fulfilling.
2: Uh, so, know uh, I didn't write a list. I probably should have. But my um, – <laughs> as you can tell by our vodka chat earlier, I do enjoy drinking vodka sometimes. <laughs> I do – like I like – like I have – Um, So obviously I've got two kids who are 9 and 11, so my whole life basically revolves around them generally. But I do enjoy catching up with friends. I've got a book club that I've spoken about too who I see very regularly plus another group of friends. Um, I just feel like our – lives revolve around our kids at the moment. So we like. I have friends who have kids, so we all get together, go to the beach. Um, I've got some little nieces and nephews who we love hanging out with, love traveling. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite destination, but we have booked, I don't know if I've said it yet, to go to Japan next year. So that's pretty exciting, which I've never, ever, ever been there. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, food. I am more of a savory person, like I would always get, you know, I don't know what, what do you call it? Like, so here we call it when you have like a three course meal, for example, we have entree, main and dessert. Whereas I think entree for you guys is your main meal. Yeah, Is that right? Yeah. So anyway, just the point of this little story is I would always have entree and main. So I'd have like appetizer and main. I wouldn't always have
0: dessert. (laughs) I always go for the savory stuff. I do love appetizers though. Ours is like appetizers than entree
2: um <laughs> i just, like i do occasionally like you know something sweet but i love like cheeses and stuff like that i love a shot
0: board yeah oh my god same <laughs> i love them so much but i get bad heartburn so <laughs> another one that a few people ask is will stephanie ever upgrade to having a fulfilling life <laughs> and yes since the only um criteria for that was according to that person being married and having kids (laughs) i guess but i i am getting married in june so then i will have a fulfilling life and will be allowed to like have an opinion (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe they might want you to wait until you have kids if you want to have kids (laughs) yeah maybe maybe it'll only be like a little fulfilling then we'll see um Another person asked, How are our cats and dogs? Peep, she is here. Uh, my other cat is Freshbutt. He is much more quiet. But I did post if you follow me on Instagram, I did post a photo of him because we had to bring him to the Vex. He was having um some little tooth problems, but they also diagnosed him with obesity, which I thought was quite quite rude. Because he's definitely he like I wouldn't look at him and think he's fat. <sighs> But they were like, so what are we doing about his weight? And I was like, what? <laughs> That's not what I'm here for. I didn't ask I your was opinion. Like, <laughs> I didn't ask about that, ma'am. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, he's costing me a lot of money right now because he has to um, get his teeth dealt with. So, <laughs> <laughs> Love that.
2: My dogs are good. So I've got the three. We've got Donnie and Daisy. Donnie is seven months. Daisy is about 18 months. And Ralph is nearly 14 years old. (laughs) So he's Mm. the old grandpa. They're all going well. Ralph is old. Like he's slowed right down. I'm fairly sure he has doggy dementia. But
1: Mm. he's living
2: his best life. Like he just smiles all the time. I know it's so (laughs) weird. to Like dogs, I feel like, can smile. So he's just, you know, he gets excited about little things. So he's he's doing well. Health-wise, he seems well. So they're all lovely. Donnie is so cute and so naughty and sweet. And Daisy, Daisy has calmed down a lot. Like Daisy was a very crazy puppy. Um, but now that she's got Donnie, she's very mature. She's the older sister. <laughs>
0: oh, very, very good. Proper. So
2: no, they're all good. They're living their best lives. We I've mentioned before we have an acreage. So we've got five acres and they basically have free reign of the property. So they're all good. All good for now, which is good.
0: This was the one I mentioned before. It is following so much crime take a toll on you or give you anxiety. What do you do to offset it? Basically, I, I try to take breaks from it. I have to just sometimes get off the internet and like screens completely. So when it's nicer, I'll be like, I'll try to go for a walk or go outside for a little. I listen to... Celebrity gossip podcasts, things that are funny, lighthearted. Um, I've always been an anxious person, so I don't know that it makes me more anxious. I think I've just always been this way, and I feel like that's why I'm interested in crime because I like to kind of always have a plan. So, like, I read about these stories thinking it's gonna like, if I'm ever stuck in the situation, maybe I'll I'll have a plan or something. <laughs> so, I feel like that's why I'm like meticulously reading about all these crimes. So, I'm like, if this ever happened to me, what would I do? But yeah, it definitely makes me anxious. I'd say a little.
2: I feel like too when things are really happening, like for example, in the Moscow case, I keep referencing that one because I guess it's the most current, Um, when things are really busy, it's a lot. Like we'll be online for hours and hours and hours, but there are times Mm -hmm. where less things are happening. So I feel like if you follow our Instagram, you'll kind of would have seen that. So, you know, there'll be days where we'll have 100 stories and then there may be days where we have six or seven. So I feel like we just have to take it as it comes and ride the waves of when it's busy and full on and then kind of rest and recuperate when it's not
0: i definitely try to post or like have at least like one day on the weekend where i'm just like not really focused on it too too much because i just need the mental break yeah. of not feeling like i'm working or also go insane yeah do you feel like it makes you crime makes you anxious at all or not really um
2: not really well yes and no like there are some crimes i guess that affect me more than others um But, uh, yeah, like I know I feel like now I've been doing this for a long time so I'm probably quite jaded and cynical and can disassociate a little bit but it does, like there are things that I read and I think that's it. I can't do it today, that's enough. But, you know, generally I feel like I am all right at separating myself from what happening in the world, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that could bring us to the question, hardest case to cover, cases that really bothered you?
2: For me, I think it's the cases with the kids, um, like Harmony Montgomery, Mm -hmm. Summer Wells, Oakley Carlson, the ones where the kids are treated horribly, um, I think, because I have kids, just for me, I find those the hardest to deal with. Um, Even the one, his name escapes me now, but the dad who took the kids to Mexico and killed them because he believed Matt Coleman. Yes, yes. Like things like that. I just think, gosh, those poor little kids must have been terrified. So cases like that where the kids are mistreated are the ones that get me.
0: Mine's a little similar, I guess. For me, it's like any of the school shootings, even though we've only Done. Well, we talked about Uvalde and we only like, did an episode on like Parkland, but I live close to Sandy Hook, especially when it happened. I lived pretty close and it, just school shootings are so scary to me. It's so terrifying and they really make me upset and I... Like listening to all the Parkland clips really made me so sad and I was just like crying all the time editing that episode. But I think one of my biggest fears, like I'm not in school anymore obviously, but even just the general like mass shootings, it's one of my biggest fears and I get so worried about them. So I think those affect me the most.
2: And I feel like too, even though we maybe haven't done a whole bunch of episodes on school shootings, anytime there is a school shooting or even a mass shooting, we cover them on our social media. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah,
0: yeah, I understand what you're yeah. saying. Those are always difficult for me because if it could happen to anyone at any time. Like I know any crime can, but these ones are like kids literally just going to school, people go into the grocery store. Like you just never know. Yeah. Um, another one is were you close in your theories over the years about Delphi? <laughs>
2: I feel like no, because we actually had no theory well, I know.
0: Well, you always kind of said you suspected like a catfish type situation yes. which it could be. Like we still don't really know what happened, so I feel
2: like there's two ways to read the question. Did we think possibly the same things may have happened in Delphi and then the other way is did we ever have a theory about like was our theory close to what actually probably happened? Maybe that might be the second way to read it. So I feel like yeah, we did have similar theories in terms of maybe a catfish um But when we discussed this question just quickly the other day, I feel like we said that neither of us really – I don't even
0: remember.
2: Like I know we always – you know, Ron Logan's name was always thrown
0: out there and it still is being thrown out there. Um, I don't – I still feel like he's not involved. I don't know. I've never been big on that one. I've never been – I've never thought anyone in like the family did it, which people thought early on, and I never thought it was anyone that was like super close to the girls. I kind of did always think it was – more like a crime of opportunity ish, like maybe yeah. a catfishing, like with some planning, like a catfish thing, or someone saw them on the bridge, or no, yeah, I was always more now. along that line. I, I feel
2: like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And now I feel, um, like neither of us ever had Richard Allen on the radar. Um, no, okay, I was like, who is that?
0: <laughs> and I, I feel him. like
2: I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like both of us still now agree that maybe Keegan had some some part in this like whether or not it was arranging yeah. for the girls to be there um
0: I feel like the Anthony Schatz profiles connected yeah. or...
2: so I feel like we had we didn't ever have totally opposing theories as to what happened but um yeah maybe slightly different over the years but generally pretty similar
0: yeah and pretty similar to like what it's turned out to be yeah I did a, and I remember we both always like thought that he probably had a gun or something to like corral them yeah, to get them but yeah I'd say pretty much pretty similar you or even with other cases when we like don't agree we talk about it and then like I'll be like oh yeah like what Olivia's saying I could see that yeah or, um someone asked for our latest Idaho theories and they, they asked do we think police have someone in mind
2: or no clue I personally think no clue, or if they have a clue, they have nothing to tie that person to it. I I, I am team no clue at the moment, I think. I think they're just, <laughs> they're banking on that white Hyundai. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I know, I think it was TMZ reported that there hadn't been a match to the license plate, but then the police came out that same day and clarified and said they actually have no license plate, which blows my mind because they've somehow got this car on footage or found out about
0: this car somehow. I just, I, I can't believe there's no license plate. I'm assuming that it was probably on CCTV somewhere and when I worked in retail like CCTV you could see like the big general things but it's so blurry especially if the car was moving like fast. Yeah. Um,
2: So I don't know and I know like every day it seems like there's a new theory like even we posted yesterday about the the vape shop owner talking about how Kaylee had a stalker and we had so many messages it has to be him. He, He must know. So every day I feel like there's a new person who it could have been. Um, I feel like surely if they had someone in mind, they would be able to have moved. It's now been five weeks since the murders. Um, I'm sure they want it to be over. I, I really feel like they have no definitive suspect at this stage.
0: Yeah, my, my like theory is still kind of similar to what it has been. Of I think it was someone who, who had a crush on probably it seems like Kaylee or was interesting. Kaylee had some sort of anger towards Kaylee um, since it's come out that she was kind of like the most brutally assaulted of them all or stabbed or whatever it was that happened. But it just seems like she's kind of the key to this. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: don't know. I'm still puzzled. Like I feel like nothing's really happened since our episode in terms of movement in the case. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm still team no clue really
0: yeah what's one cold case you wish you could see solved in your lifetime i put delphi which seems like possible at this point john bonnet just for like the curiosity and i'd love to know where susan powell is where daniel robinson is and where summer wells is yeah. And I could add a million people to that list. Jason Landry, um, mm-hmm. is
2: another one I'd like to know. I guess for me, the first one that popped up when I read that question Maura. was Maura Murray. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like once that's solved, it's gonna be like mostly harmless and I'll be like, oh <laughs> disappointing. Like, and I feel like she probably just wanted and died in the cold. So and her remains haven't been found. Like I guess, you know, based on, for example, Delphi and other things that have happened where the result um the updates are unexpected, but I feel like that's probably what happened to Maura. But I would still like to see her remains found if that is the case. Um, And I guess this one kind of ties into what was someone asked what was the first case that got you into true crime the first case that I can ever remember following is of a missing person who's still missing today I think she went missing in 2002 Rachel Cook in Texas Mm -hmm. I always followed her case she went for a run and basically never came home and her dad really advocated for her and like had one of the first kind of blog websites for her outlining the search and he's since passed away but I've always wondered what happened to her um I'd like to find out that out one day.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't really remember specifically like what the first thing was that got me into it. Cause I, I just I've always been kind of interested in specifically forensic science and stuff like that. Like I took forensic science in high school and I took forensic science in college. I took criminal justice in high school and in college. So I've always been interested in it, but the ones that I can remember being interested in early on, Jonestown was always a big one for me. Like I did my college thesis on that. I was I had to do like high school projects on it, so that one always stuck with me as being a big one. I know I did a high school project on Charles Manson, which is really cliche, but it's just like a really interesting one, especially as like a starter one. <laughs> um, another one I remember specifically in my senior year of high school, we in my criminal justice class. Everyone got like um, weird. It was our final project and everyone got a murderer that they had to do a project on. I don't really remember the specifics, but, you know, people got assigned cool serial killers like Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, Night Stalker. And I got fucking Andrea Yates. And I was like, really?
1: <laughs> I didn't know anything
0: about it. <laughs> at the time. But I remember I was like so disappointed because I was like, that's, that's not even cool. And she like drowned her kids. But then when I did the research on it, it was actually so interesting. That's kind of where I learned more about how some cases aren't just like, oh, the serial killer murdered a bunch of people. This one had like mental health and it was very controversial. And there's so much to it that I found it fascinating actually in the end. And then I was kind of happy that I had gotten that one to do because I, I learned a lot. Holly Bobo's always stuck with me too. That was an older one. But yeah, those are those are my list. I think I didn't do the last um, one. Yeah, and then the last one that I thought was silly was if you could commit a perfect crime and not get <laughs> caught, what would it be? And for me, it'd be something where I'd get fucking rich, and that's yeah, it. that's what I was just. But mine would be:
2: I would rob a bank, not hurt anyone, take all yeah. the money, and
0: no one would no one would care. <laughs> that's it. Like no yeah. no one got
2: hurt. I would just have the money, and I'd be on an island somewhere away from everyone. There are a few people
0: that I definitely would love if they were dead. Like not to sound psychotic, but just horrible people. I'm sure we all have people that were like I just wish they were dead to be honest. But I'd rather I'd rather be like really rich. Yeah. And then have them be dead. Especially if I could be really rich and then like have them seeing me being really rich and they could just be like jealous of me my whole life. No, mine would definitely be money. For sure. Yeah. In this economy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's all the questions that I went through. If you guys want us to do something like this again in, in another year, maybe it could be like an end of the year thing. Yeah, that's fun. We'll have some more interesting things to talk about next
2: year. <laughs> have 365 days to get some more content.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I hope nobody's like, wow, they're boring. <laughs> Actually. <laughs> Whatever. We never want to hear it again. <laughs> so yeah. Um That is it for this episode. If you guys want to message us about any of the things that we talked about during our questions, you can follow us on our personal Instagram accounts. Mine's Stephsum underscore. Olivia's is TCS Olivia. You could just shoot us messages on there because in TCS, they could get lost to the abyss. (laughs) Um, But definitely still follow True Crime Society Instagram if you don't already. That's where we kind of post the updates most frequently throughout the day. Everything for this episode, all the... Um, articles and everything will be on the blog at True Crime blog.com And if you want us to have multiple episodes a week one day, share the podcast, review it, get your friends to listen, get your family to listen, get everyone to listen. And then one day we can quit our jobs and just <laughs> do the podcast every day. We could have three episodes a week if we quit our jobs one day. Let's so. go live whenever we want <laughs> if
3: we're yeah, not at work.
0: <laughs> that is – your assignment for next year, peeps. <laughs> we uh, won't have an episode next week. I don't think I said that at the start. We are going to have a little holiday break, but we'll be right back in the new year. So I hope everyone has a happy new year, has Stay a Merry safe. Christmas, has a Happy Hanukkah, whatever everyone celebrates. If you celebrate nothing, I hope you have a happy time too. <laughs> <laughs> you be happy all the time. You don't need Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So that is that, I think, right? Yeah, that's it. All right, so we will talk to you guys next year. Better go and drink my Ziploc vodka. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, have fun at the concert. It would be so fun. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.